Proverbs 18, verse 24. This is where we're going to begin today. If you don't have your Bible, it's all right. It's going to be up on the screen behind us. And it says this, one with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. And this verse right here, a little bit of context to it. Many of us look at that verse and we go, well, one with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. And a lot of us quickly assume the friend that we're talking about is Jesus. But actually the writer of Proverbs right here is not dealing so much with Jesus, although it can be applied. Yes, he calls us friends. Yes, he sticks closer than a brother. But what the Bible is speaking about right here, what Proverbs is dealing with is that while we may have lots of friendships, We might find ourselves in harmful moments even when we have friends, but we should have friends that stick closer than brothers. That in the midst of all of our situations, in the midst of all of our circumstances, we can actually have relationships that stick with us, that work with us, that work for us, that are standing beside us in the midst of potentially harmful situations. So one with many friends may be harmed, but come on somebody, there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. So today as we continue on in our series, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you from the subject, Nerf guns, slingshots, and salamanders. (laughs) Nerf guns, slingshots, and salamanders. As we look at what the Bible says to us about cultivating healthy and sustainable friendships. We pray with me just one more time this morning. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for this moment that we have today to dig into your word, to hear your heart for our lives, but more importantly, to see you. Your word shows us you. Your word shows us your heart. Your word gives us truth to anchor our lives on. And so today, as we work through what it is that we're talking about today, God, I pray that you would just teach us, train us, challenge us, convict us, shape us, do work on our hearts, open up our minds to the things that it is that you want to say to us. We're so grateful for your grace in our lives. No matter where we're at in our journey, God, we can come to this place today. We could hear from you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. Show of hands. How many of you love the summertime? Let's just, come on, put them, like, put them up. This is not a trick question. How many of you loathe the summertime? Like, you hate summer. Let's just be honest. There's a few of you. Okay, yeah. How many of you are winter people? Like, you like winter more than summer? Yeah, I thought so. Not so many of you. Because that's weird. Let's, summertime is awesome. <laughs> Well, let's just be honest. But how many of you love spring in Utah? Spring in, oh yeah, come on. They're like that? Oh, I love spring. But summertime's fun. Summertime's good. We just got back from our, uh, our summer vacation. Uh, we're a pretty high-strung family. I'm a pretty high-strung person. And so it takes us about a week to unwind and then a week to experience what rest feels like. And then we get ramped back up. But I love summertime. I love uh, having our kids out and everything like that. And so we were staying at this mountain cabin in the Canadian Rocky Wilderness for, for our vacation. The first four days of our vacation, it rained buckets. Um, and uh, it, it was pretty awesome, actually. Coming from the sun, just going rain. It was 50 degrees, and it was drizzly. And the kids were like, we want to play outside. Come with us. And I was like, no. You go. I'm going to drink coffee and sit on the porch and watch you guys. And we were completely off the grid. We were, um, it, it, these cabins are run by solar power, solar panels, and everything was on propane. No cell phone service, no internet, 
No interruptions, just me, my kids, my wife, and this vast wilderness, mountains out. And it was just this beautiful moment. And I'm watching these kids run around. It was my family. The only one on this property was our family and one other family. And it was actually the, one of the shareholders in this property, in this, uh, this little getaway area. And uh, we actually had a really cool moment to be able to hang out with them. And they had kids our age, and, and they were playing and everything. And so I'm watching our kids. They're playing. They're running around. They're riding mountain bikes everywhere. They're pushing each other. They're wrestling in the field. They're pretending there are bears in the forest, which we made sure that they understood that there actually were bears in the forest, <laughs> just for safety's sake. <laughs> and so, and I watched these kids, the same age, eight and nine, pair of them, and then my little daughter, she's two, and she was just kind of trailing in tow. And I sat on, my, on this porch drinking coffee, watching these kids play. And have you ever had flashback moments to your summertime when you were that age? And I don't know about, like, if, if you're like me, I get all nostalgic about it, right? Like, I go back, and, I, and I, in my mind, and I start thinking about it, and I'm like, man, I remember those summer times. I remember summertime, and you'd stay out, like, this is before, like, parents were helicopter parents, right? And uh, some of you, like, don't talk to me that way. Um, but this was when our parents were like, go play. When do I come back? I don't care. <laughs> do you have your helmet on? Kind of. Right, it was BMX bikes in the in the in the wilderness, and uh, and so I, I was sitting there watching these kids, and I was like having these like flashbacks to my summertime when we used to gather all these kids together, and we'd have these massive Nerf gun wars, like insane Nerf gun wars, all around this apartment complex that we lived in, in and out of people's houses. There were moments when we were literally running into people's houses we didn't know. <laughs> that is truth. <laughs> And they didn't care back then, right? They were like, just come on in, shoot people, that's fine. <laughs> so we'd have these massive Nerf gun wars. And, and I remember this game that we used to play called Slingshot. Uh, I'm not the, the brightest tool in the shed, or however you say it. See, right there. Let's see. <laughs> hey, listen, if tools are unused, they're still technically bright, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and if they're in the shed, well, there you go. Um, but we had this game called Slingshot, and we used to take bungee cords, and we'd, we'd strap these, but like we'd hook these bungee cords together and put them on the, the, the seat of a bike, and you would have a person who would ride the bike, and then a person on rollerblades would hold on, and then they would take off, almost like you would do on a boat, and then you would go around a corner, and you would slingshot people, right, as fast as you possibly can, and whoever hold on can hold on, right, and you were the man of the apartment block if you could hang on around this slingshot corner, and, and then uh, another thing we used to do is in Washington, that was where I lived, we'd go looking for salamanders, hunting through the, the forest, and these were my childhood memories, and the central focus of all those memories is friends. And I think something that goes along, if we think back, whether you had a great upbringing or not, if you think back to your summertime experiences, so much of it centered around friends. Even as we've gotten older, as we became teenagers and young adults and young professionals and couples, and we take vacations with other families, friendship seems to be the central focus of our summertimes, and not just our summertimes, but our lifetimes. And if you're like me, these moments, especially during the summertime, I get all nostalgic and think back to the simple days of childhood friendship. Remember how it was super easy? Like back in those days, it was just like a fist bump and we're good. You could hurt somebody, say sorry, and you'd move on. There wasn't all the drama. There wasn't all the social media stuff. There wasn't Facebook where other people could get involved. Right? It was just simple, one-on-one -on -one friendships. 
Yet as we've gotten older, friendship has become more complicated and more nuanced. Right? In our generation of technology and media, fast-paced cities and hyper-mobile culture, friendship has become increasingly more difficult. As one author put it, our modern routines and nuclear living arrangements hinder our finding and keeping close friends. And here's what I want to do today. My hope today is that we can deal biblically about friendships. Because at the end of the day, friendships are a part of God's redemptive plan and purpose in our lives. And I've actually never taught a message like this before. Usually I like to go for more of the ethereal concepts and go like, here you go, take some, like, I'm going to give you some thoughts and some ideas and you, you play with it and see how you feel about it. Check it up with the Bible, deal with it with God and, and kind of go for it. But today I actually want to go very, very practical and talk about how to actually build healthy friendships. Because here's the truth, community has been lost and replaced with inch-deep, ever-rotating interactions with people that most times we will never have, uh, we'll never go deep dive with in order to cultivate lasting and meaningful connection. On top of that, we as a culture have become more cynical, more jaded, less trusting, less vulnerable, and more protective when it comes to engaging in the beauty and purpose of friendships. Truth? So a statement from Jesus in John 15, 12, 13 frustrates us. When he says this, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No greater love than this, to lay down his life, for one to lay down his life for his friends. How many of you have stepped into a restaurant lately or a coffee shop only to see friends sitting at the same table having coffee on their phones? And we call it hanging out. Hey, let's go grab a coffee. Let's go grab something to eat. Let's go do something. And for the majority amount of the time, we don't have deep and meaningful conversation. We converse over what we're looking at on our phone. And listen, I do it. Right? I do it. I've done it sitting at dinner with my wife. We've, we've done it. Friendship is difficult. Looking at people in the eyes is difficult, isn't it? How many of you now think when somebody actually looks at you in the eye for more than a minute, they're weird? I sat in one coffee meeting with somebody. It was a, it was a gentleman I was, I was uh, talking with. We were getting to know each other a little bit. And, and I work really hard to stare at people in the, in the eyes. I don't look around. I don't look over you. Like, I will look at you. I'll look into your soul, right? <laughs> if you have, and, and, I was, and I was just talking with this guy. And I was listening. And, I, and, and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, why, why, why do you ask? He's like, because you haven't moved from my eyes. And I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I was like, bro, you have beautiful almond eyes. Like, it's okay. (laughs) And let me just add this so that we know this is for everybody in here. Friendship is not just a placeholder in our lives occupying space until we are married. It has been designed as a constant and necessary part of every single one of our lives, no matter our relational or marital status. Bottom line, we all need friends. Friends are friends forever. If the Lord, that's, yeah, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> so before we go any further, I think it's important that we look at the purpose of friendship, and then we'll get really, really practical. And I don't think there is any clearer of a purpose statement than in Proverbs 27, 17. This is what it says, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. See, friendships 
have purpose. They have meaning. The basis, I'm going I'm to I'm make this an unequivocal statement. The basis for all true, true, every shout true, true and healthy, authentic friendships is to make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. One person sharpens another. Mutual concern, mature interaction, faith-filled challenge, Christ-centered care are the marks of healthy and purposeful friendships. And these are the things that I personally look for in my friendships, that I actually take, I'll take a temperature reading of my friendships. If there is not mutual concern, if there is not mature interaction, if there is not faith-filled challenge and Christ-centered care, we do not have a friendship. I will not call you my friend. We know each other, we may be acquaintances, we may pass each other, but unless these marks are present in my relationships, I cannot call you friend. I won't call you friend. Why? Because my friendships have purpose. And I think for many of us, we're honest, we have a lot of acquaintances, very few friends. And as we dig into the practical side of this message, you'll see what I'm talking about because I'm going to double down on what it means to actually have true friends. See, we've gotten off track in so many ways. Friendship has mostly become about who we can have the most fun with. Uh Uh-oh. And the collection of people in our lives that simply support me no matter what. See, the problem is that true and biblical friendship was designed to be a sharpening mechanism. One that brings growth and substance to our lives. Proverbs 27 verse 6 doubles down on this truth. The wounds, lots of Bible, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. See, when we have friendship, when we have mutual concern and Christ-centered care, mature interaction, we can share things with each other. We can engage in each other's space. And at the end of the day, I don't need people in my life who simply just agree with everything that I do. I need people in my life who are going to challenge me. I need friends in my life who are going to hold me up. I've got dear friends sitting. I can look across this auditorium right now. And I've got friends who are in my life that know that they have that space. One of them said, Eric Heiser, right here. He knows that. Right, bud? Him and I can have these types of conversations. So when I preach this message, he understands and knows, yeah, that's actually how, that's how Jason operates. This is a reality that many have lost in our friendships. We've decided that the only voices we want in our lives are those that unequivocally agree with us. And when there's a deviation from this reality, it's met with frustration, offense, and ultimately distancing. Friendship. It's getting quiet in the church today. Come on. So back to the original truth. There's actual purpose for our friendships. And they're not just some benign add-on to our lives, but rather they are supposed to be rich, fulfilling, and a necessary tool for the journey of life and faith. So if we can all agree, can we all agree now that there's a divine purpose for our friendships in our lives? Then we must answer the question, how do we build and cultivate these types of friendships? What do we look for in our friendships? So I want to look at five distinctives because I've been on vacation and I have a high word count. Five distinctives of a healthy, sustaining, and mature friendship. And I really do hope, I really do hope and pray that you would take these points and you would use them as, as very practical tools to gauging and looking at your friendships. Can we do that this morning? Need your help? Every shot number one? Come on, every shot number one? First one is this. Healthy friendships are built through candor and honesty. Healthy friendships are built through candor and honesty. Let's go back to Proverbs 27, verse 6. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. 
Paul David Tripp, a pastor and writer, says this, love doesn't go passive and stay silent in the face of wrong. Love moves towards you because you are wrong and need to be rescued from you. Here's the question I want to ask this morning. Do you have anybody in your life, and for married couples, not just your spouse, but do you have anybody in your life that can rescue you from you? In moving towards you, love is willing to make sacrifices and endure hardships so that you may be right again and be reconciled to God and others. God graces us with this kind of love so that we may be tools of his love in the lives of others. But here's, oh, now we're going to double down. You guys ready? Here we go. I find it interesting that many of us willingly will tell a complete stranger the truth, yet you won't say anything about anything to our closest friends. Oh, it got really quiet in church today. <laughs> we say things like, people just need to hear the truth. They just need truth. And I would contend that people won't hear any truth unless we're first friends. And we take, we take it upon ourselves, especially those of us who call ourselves Christians and Christ followers, we take it upon ourselves to be truth bearers and truth speakers. But what I've come to realize is that for many of us, we will speak truth to perfect strangers. We will put it on Twitter. We will put it on Instagram. We will put it on Facebook. But when it comes to the friends around us, we will be very, very coarse on whether we share truth or not. Why? Because we don't want to destabilize the actual relationship. See, it's easy to shout truth to somebody we don't know because we don't care. But when it comes to speaking truth to a friend, oh, it's very different. I'll go back to Eric. I'm going to embarrass him today. Eric's a good friend of mine. I love this family. Eric and Amy, love these guys so much. If you were to ask Eric, him and I have had some coffees where we've gone head to head, haven't we? We've gone head to head. And he's a jerk most of the time about it. <laughs> No, he's not. We've gone head to head with some conversations. But here's, here's the great thing that I love about our friendship is not once has he ever remained passive and not once have I ever remained passive on conversation for the sake of keeping harmony in it. For the sake of not destabilizing the friendship. Why? Because here's the deal. We trust each other enough to know that our love is greater than our contention. Healthy friendship. Because we'll come out of that coffee better for it. We'll come out of that coffee stronger for it. We'll come out of that coffee in a, in a, in a better place, understanding things. It doesn't go passive. He needs to be able to say, bro, I noticed this. I was thinking about this. I got to be able to say, hey man, this is what I think. Da, 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 da. And we go back and forth. And the problem in the generation that we live in right now is that we will shout truth to everybody but our friends because we don't care. The greatest mechanism for change in our life. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? The greatest mechanism for change in our lives and the lives of others is connection and ultimately friendship. And I can tell you honestly that unless we are in relationship, the desired truth that you may want to bring or others may not, or want to bring, I won't hear it. You won't hear it. Because if Eric walks up over here to somebody he doesn't know and gives truth, that person goes, what are you talking about? Why? Because there's no relationship. There's no friendship. And so we've got to understand that healthy friendships are built through candor and honesty. Candor and honesty. Number two. Come on, everybody shout number two. Yeah. Second one is this. Healthy friendships are built by diversity and contrast. Ah, 
I love this one. Healthy friendships are built by diversity and contrast. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 17. I'm not going to read them all. For the sake of time and two, there's a lot of names. I just don't know how to say them. You can read it. But if you read it, this is Paul writing the, the end of Romans, the letter to the Romans in chapter 16. And in this portion right here, in 17 verses, Paul will mention almost 30, if not more names in this list. 30 names. And these were his friends. If you just scroll through this and go through it, he, he keeps on, like, can you scroll through it, guys? Names. Risk their, let's talk about risking their own lives and necks, and then he keeps on talking. All the way through 17 verses, he talks about all these people that are in his life that are his friends. And you got to understand that, that, that the healthy friendship is built through diversity and difference. Someone once put it like this, show me your closest five friends and I'll show you your future. You see, who we do life with is so important, and I believe that the more diverse our friends are, the better. So what does that look practically like? Well, if you're a young adult and a young professional, spend time with others outside of your peer group. Can I just be a pastor this morning? If you're single, spend more time with couples and people outside of your personal reality. Build friendships across lines that are typically drawn. Build friendships across racial, physical, social, financial lines. This is how our best and most beautiful relationships are formed. I like to always poke this thing because we need to deal with it. In our generation, especially right now, no matter what ethnicity or race that you are, you cannot say that we've progressed, progressed into the God-given reality of the tapestry of heaven if all of your friends look like you. That's why we do church the way that we do. Because the tapestry of heaven has to be visible in God's church. I do not want to pastor an all-white church. Nope. I will quit. Some of you are like, I don't know if I should laugh right now or not. <laughs> We're talking about dangerous things. The people that are close to me know this. Why? Some of my best friends, some of the closest people to me have known me for a long time and I've known them. Do not look like me. And I love it. And it needs to be that way. So we can say, we're all for this, all for this. Show me your five closest friends. Show me the people you do life with. And maybe not five, extend it to 10, but show me who you do your life with and I'll show you your future. Avoid, if you need to take notes in a simple way, avoid same. That's a simple point right there. Put a start, avoid same. Avoid same. If you only have people in your friendship circles that think like us, talk like us, agree with us, feel and perceive like we do, we have shallow and unhealthy relationships. Because healthy relationships, healthy friendships are built by diversity and contrast. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Uh, number three, come on, be shot. Number three. Third thing is this healthy friendships are built with endurance and care. Healthy friendships are built with endurance and care. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this carry. Every shot, carry. That wasn't a shout. Come on, we shout carry. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Notice that fulfilling the law of Christ is not about doing a bunch of things. It's about carrying somebody else's burden. 
And the greatest friendships that we can have in our lives are those that are, are built with endurance and care. In other words, we carry one another's burdens. So on this trip that we were on a vacation, we, we stopped by Glacier National Forest. How many of you have been to this area before? Man, it is insane. So beautiful. So amazing. Now, I've talked about this before. I do not, I'm not a hiker. Okay? I, I think, I think that hiking is the NASCAR of the wilderness. We just walk around in circles for no apparent reason, get to some place with no purpose, and walk back down again, right? But if you tell me there is a river that we're going to or a lake that we're going to, I will hike with you all day. There's purpose behind purpose-driven hiker. So Erica's like, hey, do you want to go for a hike? And she loves it. She, she, loves, she loves the hiking thing. Go to nowhere, come back from nowhere. In her tevas. Um, so she's like, hey, do you want to go for a hike? We're going to take the kids. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And she's like, well, you're going to have to carry L on that backpack thing. And I was like, oh, so not only do you want to walk nowhere, you now want to turn it into a CrossFit workout. Thank you. <laughs> so she's like, no, 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 but there's a lake at the top with good fishing. You can, you can fly fish up there. I was like, done. Let's go. So I'm like, yeah, come on, kids. Let's go. Get in the car. We're going. And so I'm super excited. And so I get L on my back and we go on this, this massive hike. We're gone all day long. It's a couple hours in, a couple hours back. And, uh, and as, we're, as I'm doing this hike, we get to the highest part before it starts to go back down to where this lake was going to be settling in the middle of this big old mountain range that we were in. And as I'm, as I'm getting to this peak, this crest, with L on my back, I'm dripping with sweat. My shoulders are on fire. My back is burning. My legs are saying, I hate you, right? And my daughter's just like, yeah, this is so fun, right? <laughs> Erica's giving her a sippy bottle, so not only am I carrying all this pounded, sweating, she's drinking, spitting down the back of my neck, having a cracker, it's in my balding spot, like all of this stuff <laughs> is happening. <laughs> like, what is going on right now? So I get, to the, I get to the top of this peak, and as I, as I get to the top of this peak, this other guy, this other dad, has the same situation happening. <laughs> and we get to the top of this peak, no joke, this is where we stopped and got a pit, but as we got to this peak, we both looked at each other, dead in the eyes. And you could tell we had a moment. And in this moment, his eyes gazed into my eyes. I looked back at him. There was this slight tear. And all of it is said, I got you, bro. I know your burden. Why? Because he was carrying the same thing I was carrying. We had a personal connection and an understanding in a moment that was birthed from shared experience because we carried something. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot have good friendships unless we carry one another's burdens. Because if you can't carry what I'm carrying and I can't carry what you're carrying, there is not mutual understanding. feel like I need to double down on this, but we're watching in the generation right now a lot of conversations about a lot of things, and people are saying things. 
They're trying to bring answers. They're trying to bring platitudes to situations that people are experiencing. And the thing is that for many of us, we can't say anything because we haven't engaged in carrying the same burden that somebody else is carrying. What are we carrying? And I want to contend this morning that if we want a healthy friendship, if I want healthy friendships, if you want healthy friendships, we got to start carrying some stuff. Come on, somebody. Not judging stuff. Not speaking to people's issues. Isn't it amazing that so many times, especially in church culture, what we do is we speak to people's issues before we carry people's issues? Hey, let me tell you about your issue. Let me speak truth to your issue. And it's like, I don't need the truth. I need you to carry my issue. And if you carry my issue, then I will give you permission to speak to my issue because you cannot speak to my issue until you understand my issue. Let me speak to this side of the room over here because everybody's staring at me. We cannot speak to people's issues until we carry people's issues. That's what this whole thing is about. We gotta carry something. I'll leave it there. Number four. Number four. Come on, every shot. Number four. Healthy friendships are built in joy and in pain. Healthy friendships are built in joy and in pain. Every shout joy. joy. Every shout pain. pain. Every shout pain. pain. Every shout joy. joy. These are where friendships are built. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I think one of the greatest travesties that affects friendships is that we are all too easy to give up when the friendship gets hard and complicated. We love it when there's joy, but I don't do the pain thing. I got enough of my own pain. I don't need your pain. But that's where healthy friendships are built. You know, I'm amazed at what people do for their dogs. Come on, can I get a witness in church today? Have you seen people operate with their dogs? And listen, if you are one of these people that I'm about to highlight, I love you with the love of the Lord. I'm not judging you, I'm just saying. Watch, when we, were in, we were in Banff as a part of this trip, and we're walking through this, this village, and as we're walking through this village trying to get coffee, it's raining out, and I kid you not, there was this small dog with a sweater poofy vest thing on, and attached to it was an umbrella. You've seen this? Have you seen this? Has anybody seen this? You've seen that? I thought it was a Canadian thing. Then I Googled it. Nope, it's a people thing. And I'm watching this dog. I was like, I'm watching this dog. Just like. Total bougie dog. Protected from the rain. And what are the owners doing? Being rained on completely. And all they cared about was their dog, little Pookie, running around. I wonder what would happen if we gave our friendships the same care, attention, time, and effort that we give our pets. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You would think I'm an awful person if when the going got tough with my dog, I simply said, well, let's just put him down. 
This dog's super complicated. Put him down. He's going to cost us more than $15. Put him down. <laughs> You'd be like, Jason, you should be removed from the pastorate. <laughs> but this is the way that many of us treat our friendships and relationships. It just got complicated. Put it down. Unfriend. Delete. Moving on. Come on, am I talking to anybody in here? In an article published by Business Insider concerning the issue of friendships, they said this. In a, re- in a revealing sociological study, a large percentage of Americans report having shrinking networks and fewer relationships. The average American has only one close confidant, the same study showed. And the leading reason people seek out counseling is loneliness. And then I kind of understood why we treat our dogs the way that we do. But dogs don't talk back. They cuddle with you on command. Their affirmation isn't attached to reciprocal affirmation. We don't have to navigate the nuances of thought processes and patterns and personalities and nuances of backgrounds and baggage and sociological realities and race and ethnicity and money and, and education. We don't have to navigate. So it's e- a dog is easy. I'll put an umbrella on it. I'll walk it through the streets of Banff. We're good. <laughs> I think this is why table groups are so important to our lives. This is why we do our three minutes. Like, I always talk about this. I'm a culture dude. Can I just, like, heads up? If you're thinking about calling the well home, we will never get rid of the three minutes. So if that's, like, a deal breaker for you, like, man, I love this church, but I hate that three minutes, we're always going to have it. Why? Because I'm hoping that in three minutes, you'll be able to begin a conversation in this moment that you can continue after the service. Why? Because we're trying to build relationships around here, not just a crowd. Not just a crowd, but relationships with people. And it's messy. Aren't friendships messy? Come on, show him. How many of you would agree with me that people are messy? How many of you agree that you are messy? I am messy. We are messy. And so it's built through joy and pain. We've got to walk through some stuff with each other, but we also have to be able to, no matter what the circumstance and the situation is give of ourselves in sacrificial ways. And number five, the last one is this. Healthy friendships are built for purpose and faith. First Timothy 4, 11 through 16 says this. Command and teach these things. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Until I come, give... Give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect. Watch what he says now. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given you to you through prophecy. So what, what, what's Paul dealing with here? Well, Paul's speaking to Timothy because obviously Timothy is dealing with neglecting his gift. He wasn't having anybody in his life that was encouraging him. 
Verse 15, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul is challenging Timothy. Paul is encouraging Timothy. Paul is driving some things. Why? Because at the end of the day, Paul understood that there was purpose in their friendship. Paul understood that there was a reason that God had connected them. And he wanted to encourage him for purpose. He wanted to encourage his faith in Christ. He wanted to encourage his faith in the call and the plan that God had for him. And that is what happens when we have good, healthy, vibrant, beautiful Christ-centered friendships. Our friendships at the end of the day should be leading us somewhere, helping us grow in our faith. And I pray that all of us can have these types of friendships. And I want to say this to those of us who might be a little bit more cynical and jaded, especially sitting in church this morning. One of the craziest and hardest places to build friendships, I actually think, is the local church. I'd be ignoring that fact. I'd be putting a blind eye to it if I didn't say it. Because for many of us, we come into a place like this and we watch forward. And then we leave as quick as we can. As we move into this new year, if I can be honest as a pastor, the word that I feel like God is putting in my heart for this church as we move into this new year is just get stronger. This year we've expanded a ton. We've done some massive things. We launched downtown. We, and that, I mean, you had a baby, right? How many of you families know, like, when you have a baby, it stretches you in so many ways? That's what we did. This year, we're going to get stronger. And I think one of the greatest places that we can find strength is in our relationships. We've got to get relationally stronger. Here's my encouragement to our church this morning. In our three minutes, be purposeful about it. Darren Orr was telling me a story this week. Darren's sitting right here. I love this family. He was telling me a story about the three-minute meet and greet. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to just use this story because I think it was important. So he met this family that was sitting with them, I don't know, a couple weeks back? Yep, a couple weeks back. And as, uh, as they were talking in the three-minute meet and greet, he just felt like prompted to, to reach back and he didn't let go of the hand that he shook. And he's like finding out that they are new, new to the church, new to this area. And he literally just said this to him, and, and I'm paraphrasing, not quoting exactly, but he didn't let go of their hand. He goes, he goes, we should be friends. Right? You know that like weird, awkward moment in church that can happen? That was it. But what I loved about the bravery of that statement is that he was exemplifying the culture of this house, which is we should be friends. We should be more than just casual handshakes on a Sunday morning so that we can sit down as quick as we can so we can hear a message and, and, and then leave. We should be friends. We should be friends. And I pray, my prayer is this, and maybe I can just be the most ideal, like, idealistic pastor on the planet. But I pray that our church is in a place where people struggle with connection and friendship. But let me tell you this, it takes you. It takes all of us being active proactive in it. Like we can't just be like, well, I hope somebody comes and talks to me. Because you know what? That's like an eighth grade dance. 
Come on, and that's what church feels like sometimes. It feels like an eighth grade dance. You make eye contact. Well, I ain't gonna go over there. <laughs> this person's over here. Like, I ain't gonna go over there. They have a beard. They're intimidating. Put your head up. Go over. Shake a hand. We should be friends. We should be friends. Let's connect. Let's go get coffee. Let's go get something to eat. Let's go to a park and let our kids beat each other up. I don't care what you do.